Hi, this is Jordan Moorhead, and this is Austin Real Estate Investing. I've got Matt Teifke here today, and he's going to tell us all about he, how he's involved with Austin Real Estate Investing in multiple ways. Hey, Matt, how you doing? I'm good, man. I'm doing real good. Thank you for having me on. I'm excited. Absolutely. Great to have you. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Matt, and how you were involved with Austin Real Estate Investing. Yeah, I grew up here in Round Rock. I was born in Cleveland, but I moved to Round Rock when I was three years old. So, you know, basically only know Round Rock. I lived in uh, Corpus Christi and College Station. Uh, Corpus for four years, College Station for two. But really got introduced to real estate at an early age. My mom, single mom, uh, raised my brother and I and literally was cleaning houses and ended up owning. Uh, I think she's got 18 or 20 houses now. And so she just basically sacrificed a ton and bought two, three properties per year for a long time and ended up, you know, set, uh, creating a net worth for herself that she can leverage and, you know, sit back on and, you know, maybe even pass down to, to my brother and I, who knows. Um, but, uh, you know, she just, she inspired me. And so I was blessed to see and understand real estate early on. And I got my license in Corpus when I was 17, going to college, um, worked for a small brokerage there. I moved back to Round Rock and worked at Don Quick, which is a commercial company here. And then uh, I was for a six month waiting period. I was trying to see if I got accepted into this master's of real estate program at A&M. And I did. And so I went there for two years. It was all commercial, a lot of spreadsheets and people that become analysts. Um, you know, very, very good stuff. Met, met a lot of people, but learned like a technical side of real estate. And then when I graduated, what I did was I took over my mom's properties, which at the time was like 14 or 15, started managing those. My wife actually managed those. And I went and worked at a commercial brokerage called Edge and did a retail tenant rep for four years, like plugged into this world, uh, suit or not suit, but like slacks and nice shoes, like dress like a banker, uh, go to four conventions a year, wine and dine clients did work for like Gold's Gym and Dick's Sporting Goods and Advance Auto and uh, just got to see a lot and was around a lot of cool people, but it wasn't my style. It didn't let me be as entrepreneurial as I really wanted to be. And so eventually I just branched off, teamed up with my wife again at the time. You know, we started with like the 14 properties. We got it up to like 250 that we managed, third party property managed. And um, we ended up actually merging. We took that company and combined it with another company here called Stone Oak. So we own 30% of that company. And then I had my real estate brokerage. So I started, you know, growing that. Ended up getting into a uh, remodeling and construction company where I own 30% of that. And like just trying to have some synergies, uh, get around a lot of good people, grind, you know, and play the long game. And just been very blessed to like, stick to the fundamentals for the first six, seven years of my real estate career, like really like learn contracts, learn numbers, learned as much as I possibly could about as many aspects, and then shifted to trying to build a really big network and doubling down on like, I think I know enough. Now I need to go meet more people and then try and figure out how to make things happen. And so all that to be said, man, just grinding, hustling. And at the same time, very, very lucky to be in a really good market here in Austin. Um, I feel like I missed some really good years while I was in college. So I came back, basically been here full time for since 2015. Um, and so it's been good since then, but it was like really, really good before then. 
for people that were getting in. And I was in Corpus and College Station, so I was like, I was passionate about real estate, but I was like, I got to get this down first, and but wanting to be in the in the game at the same time. Uh, so yeah, man, enough rambling. But I'm passionate about real estate. I love it. Like I could talk about it forever, and uh, just try to get around a lot of great people and add value where I can. Absolutely. So, you know, tell us how you got started in real estate, your first investment property. I heard about this, but I think it's a good story to tell tell people. My first investment. And in, so I uh, got a, a, a condo in College Station. Mm -hmm. And actually what I did was I bought it for uh, 61000 It was pretty cheap. My wife and I lived there. Our payment was like $300. And then whenever I left College Station, I actually owner financed it to somebody. And so he gave me, I can't remember exactly. It was either 30 or 15,000 as his down payment paid uh, like 8.75 interest and paid, wow. you know, 65,000. So he paid like, you know, I don't know, five, 10 grand over what we bought it for. Mm -hmm. And he just paid us every month. So it was pretty good. We made the difference between our mortgage and what he paid us. Uh, it was like three, 400 bucks and ended up he still owns that and now it's worth like ninety one thousand. i'm like hell yeah dude yeah. and and this is crazy the guy that uh bought it from me who was making payments ended up going to jail wow. and like still made payments he made payments all through and i'm like i still talk to this guy like um yeah it's pretty interesting i took a risk on it but he gave me a big down payment you know uh but it, that was my first deal how did he make payments in jail his, well, his brother actually made payments for him, oh. but, you know, it's his money. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Oh. He, he got in trouble for marijuana. Like, he actually went to jail for, like, two years, man. And, wow. uh, you know, he could have just, I don't know. I, I just, it just, it, it said a lot to me that uh, he honored his word the best he could. Yeah, no, he's doing the right thing, even though he wasn't in the eyes of the law doing the right thing at the time right right so, right that's cool he's still got a condo it's worth more than he paid for it now he would have lost everything yeah he's not paying you so smart guy yeah he is a cool guy yeah so that was my first deal man that's awesome but before that uh it's funny because i learned from my mom about being aggressive on buying houses and when i was in corpus one of the ladies that on our brokerage had a listing and she said you know we can't get this sold it's going to go to a short sale. And so I just was like, throughout this low number, I think it was like a 110,000. It was a pretty good house in Corpus, pretty mm -hmm. close to the water. Uh, I think it's worth like at the time, probably like 220, 230, like straight up, you know, with a little bit of work, that's what it would sell for. And so we got the deal and my mom actually bought it. And I was like, Hey mom, cause I was blessed. My mom uh, paid for my school, uh, paid for college. And I was like, hey, I just paid you back on that deal. I just made you back my uh, tuition on the equity you got on that deal. That's awesome, man. That's a good way to pay her back. Does she still own that house? She does. Yeah, she still owns that house. That's a good deal. Yeah, there you go. So, you know, Matt, you've lived all over Central and, and Southern Texas. So why do you still choose to invest here in Austin? Yeah, for me, it's a bit of a hybrid in the sense that it's not only properties, but it's also my businesses. Mm -hmm. And so it all kind of has become synergistic in some ways where it just allows me to focus on this and the net because I'm my role that I've tried to create is really about 
drumming up it's business development ultimately but it's meeting mm-hmm. people connecting networking you know really adding value seeing where things lead taking like crazy random risks on people ideas and i just feel like um since i'm not only 100 buying real estate like that makes sense to just zone in on plus it's it's hard everyone loves austin right uh jobs are coming here it's hot it's gonna keep being hot but the, obviously the counter side is it's hard to get cash flow. It's competitive. You could be overpaying. So there's not one exact answer, but for me, it's just because of the businesses. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I've had friends that are buying in Virginia. I have friends that are buying in Nashville or wherever uh, you can go buy in Colleen. And I think San Antonio has amazing numbers, but you know, they're uh, Austin's just hard to not like, and then throw on top of that, having the businesses that's what just keeps me zoned in on this. Yeah, I I don't know many other markets that appreciate at the rate that Austin has more recently. It's just it's almost unbelievable. You know what's well the, the the thing that's really crazy to me, uh, which I really haven't I, I don't have many examples of, but like everyone has always told me that Austin's very resilient in downturns, mm-hmm. and obviously what's happening now is proof of that right? Austin's like thriving in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know if there's other markets that are, that don't experience the downturns the way most do like this, you know, even in 2008 and seven, they said Austin had like a minor dip, but it's always been told to me, it goes up, it levels off, it goes up, it levels off. And like, I've talked to people that own thousands of apartments here and they're like, look, every time I've ever bought an apartment, I felt like I was paying a crazy price and like I was at the top of the market, but it always like, it always worked out really well. And I was like, man, this is just a weird market in that, in some of those ways. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. No, that makes complete sense. Um, You know, Matt, you talked a lot about how you got started real estate investing. Was it just mostly your mom that attracted you to real estate investing or was there stuff outside of that that made it look attractive? Number one thing was uh, I worked at all kinds of jobs growing up. I did uh, paving and asphalt and, you know, delivered pizza, like literally everything. Uh, wing stop. And I honestly just hated the biggest thing. I, I said this recently, like there was a fear for me of working for somebody and looking at a clock and like, uh, I guess just, you know, having someone tell me what to do. And so like, I was always so scared of that. And I just wanted to work so hard to not have that be a reality in my life. Yeah. Like that was really a big part of it, man. I remember like in college, I'm like, I don't want, cause, like I was getting a history degree, um, always liked history and thought maybe like politics or something down the road. But uh, I was like, man, I don't want to go work as a, you know, at a school as a teacher or whatever. Like it just, it doesn't sound, you know, like something, I, it just sounds like something I would hate, honestly. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I'm the same way, man. I'll, I'll work all day long. But if you tell me when I have to work, I hate that. Yes, that's what I mean. So I was literally that I was I had a fear of that. And that's what drove me. And I guess, like I said earlier, like, being able to be introduced to what real estate allowed, showed me that, like, man, this is, and I still think real estate's like the best career path. Like, I mean, you could do other things in life and change the world and stuff. For sure. But like, you know, real estate to me is something that everybody can do and it works. It just takes time and commitment and hustle. And 
uh, you know, playing the long game. But like, it's it, it's it's the only thing I see that the average person can really create a lot for themselves. Uh, pretty like you you just know you can. You just have to follow certain steps. Yeah, no, and you mentioned playing the long game, and I think that's hard for people right now, where people can start Amazon businesses and make a hundred grand in a, in a year or two, no problem. You know, if you just keep building over and over and over for a long period of time, real estate compounds very well. So you know, yeah. you've got to keep that, that long-term time frame in mind, or you're, you're going to shoot yourself in the foot if you're just trying to do things for today. Right. So, you know, you've done a lot of rehab deals. You own a construction company. Um, could you tell us something about a, a bad deal you've been in or, or issues you've seen that you'd tell some of our listeners to avoid? Yeah. Um, I'm tr- I was trying to remember these numbers. I, I can't remember these numbers. I'll try to explain it the best way I can. But what I did was I had a uh, hard money loan on a deal in Georgetown. It was like 2,700 square feet. It was on two acres and it was 300,000. I was like, man, this is, this is, you know, you, I can sell this more than that all day. I'll buy it. So I went and bought it hard money, uh, put 30,000 down. So I had $270,000 loan and ended up like running the numbers and just feeling like it was too risky. Like, man, like I could just, you know, cause it was big. So it could require a lot of money to renovate it. Yeah. And the big thing was uh, it was right on the main road, which ended up being a big deal for a lot of people, which I learned like people definitely don't like that. So anyways, uh, I ended up getting out of the deal in the sense that I had someone take over. Like I basically did a wrap mortgage to someone else and uh, they basically gave us a small down payment and had a higher price. Like they had it locked. We had it at like 300 and they had it locked in to buy from us at 370. Like that's the price he had to close on it. And this guy went and wrapped that note to someone else. And this guy, uh, man, he, I learned a lot. Just, I just didn't realize like it, it was shady. Right. Uh, and so what happened was the person that bought it from him ended up literally putting in the hundred grand, like they renovated this thing and it was super nice. And then they had it listed at like five seventy four, and I had a hard money loan on this. Right. So my term expires, like, uh, I had a two year term, but we started getting close to like, Hey, we're at the end of the term. We got to either pay it off or refinance it. And I couldn't refinance it because I had all these other, uh, wraps on the note. So they're like, what the hell's going on? So I'm just like, shit, this is a bad situation to be in. Um, so, you know, I was doing everything I could to have like literally 370,000 or 270 to just pay it off and then I would own it. And the crazy thing is like, that wouldn't be that bad because they put a lot of work into that thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, so anyways, man, they ended up selling it. Um, and I got, I got paid the 370. Uh, so we made money on it, but it was scary as heck. And the guy, somehow the guy after me ended up losing like 30 K like he assigned it to them at a lower price than he had it to me. Uh, yeah. And then they took it over. So that's a lot of moving parts, but hopefully I kind of laid that out. Yeah. So basically just, you know, don't, don't get in over your head with those 
multiple wraps and you know the, you see that daisy chaining happening a lot with wholesalers too where yeah somebody will try to sell a deal that somebody else found that they found from somebody else and, and you're getting it th three or four layers down and just too many yeah. people involved yeah yeah that's the lesson man like first of all don't do a wrap uh, when you have a hard money loan that's expiring <laughs> yeah if you got a 30-year loan that's a different story you know but yeah so yeah, that's, that's, and, and with what you said as well, hundred percent. That's a fairly long term for a hard money loan too. You, you got a good term there. I get good terms, man. I've, uh, you know, done a decent amount of deals where I can just talk them down. I'm, now I'm getting seven and a half percent interest, wow. 1.2 years. You just keep, you keep working it. And then, yeah, and also getting them referrals and stuff like bringing business to them. I'm like, Hey, I want the best rates. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it sounds like when, when you keep doing deals with the same person, your, your repeat business is worth more than just getting a few more points off you right in the beginning. That's right. That's a good, that's a good way to put it. All right. So what's one thing you think newer investors should know here, Matt? So you've been doing this for a while. Uh, pretend you're somebody that's just getting into this. What would you tell somebody like that? Man, I think it's so simple, but play the long game and, and uh, this is something I failed at just like taking really, really good notes and creating systems at the beginning. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could have, I've been selling, you know, residential as an agent, like just on referrals as a side, side business, you know, but like doing a good job at it. But like, if I would have been creating the systems and running that, like I could have a ton of commissions coming in all the time, uh, but I failed at that. Uh, so that was one, like take good notes, whether that's, you know, brokerage commissions or not like finding people staying in touch knowing what they're looking at adding value you don't you it's better to have quality and not just pass over those people to get to the next but build the real quality ones and then keep building on top of that then just as, as much as you can take so man you know i don't know if that resonates with you but like i wish i would have like i have so many buyers and sellers that i could have been in contact with that would make a lot of money and then the other thing is just to be uh really flexible and creative, like never be tied to just one thing. Try to keep all options open. Always try to own real estate. Like if you got to be in the game um, and like try to have multiple exit strategies and rely on people that know what they're doing and get as much advice as you can. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and I think I didn't use a CRM right when I started working as an agent and uh, about a year and a half in or so I started using one right and my results just got so much better but that's the same thing, whether or not you're an agent or you're a wholesaler or you're just buying rental properties, you need a, a database of some sort to keep track of this stuff because no matter what, nobody is good enough to keep track of all this in your head. So yeah, take notes, but make sure you put this somewhere where it's going to remind you and be in your face all the time. I uh, agree. Totally also, agree. Also, you talked about owning real estate. Being a real estate agent is great and all, but, you know, I see all the people that are really making money are the people that own. And that was, I got started because I wanted to help people house hack. But, you know, as I've been an agent over the years, I've just continued to buy property. And I see that that's really where the, the real wealth is in, you know, financial wealth, but also time and, and real freedom comes from. You know, your wealth isn't just finances. And 
yeah, you can do well as a wholesaler and as an agent, but you really don't have any freedom doing that stuff. You know, you're just working. So it's always been a goal of mine is to, to own as much real estate as I can, because that's more passive than anything that I've been involved in. And it's not completely passive, but it's very flexible. You know, I can manage most of my real estate from anywhere in the world. Yep. It's just not hard to do. I'm calling right. somebody else to go fix it. So it's not a big deal. Totally right, dude. And, and uh, you know, there's a balance of you got to get the cash flow and be smart. You got to have cash flow and, and get the asset growth. Mm-hmm. For me, that came through uh, management and ownership, you know, for, for just the ownership side, it just comes through the rent. Uh, but people uh, don't always think about it. It's, I think, you know, just to point it out, it's like, let's say you had three houses here in Austin that are worth 300 K and they're going up, you know, seven, eight, 10% a year, right? 30 K each. That's almost hundred K in asset, you know, to own real estate. I mean, that's what more than most people make in a year. And you're just owning that silently on appreciation. So, I mean, you know, you get massive benefits like that. Absolutely. And it's hard to think that that's going to slow down with all of these massive companies moving here. And, you know, a lot of people that haven't been paying attention for over the years think that this is a new thing. All these tech companies are all moving here. They've been moving here for more than a decade. You know, it's not a new thing. This is just layering on, you know, these bigger guys are starting to move here and Oracle and Tesla and all the newsworthy people are here now, but we've been building here for quite a while. So, you know, if you just buy real estate and wait, you're not going to be in a bad position. Yeah. That's a, it's hard to, to be the one drinking the Kool-Aid like that, but man, it just seems obvious that Austin has so much potential and the jobs keep coming and it's, you can't see it slowing down for 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah. I'm calling it opportunity city, man. Like, Really, it's not just real estate. It's everything that, you know, thrives on that. The tech community that, you know, all of everything like restaurants. I mean, this is going to be, I think, going to be we're coming out of this uh, pandemic, like thriving. I mean, people, yeah. you, you see what's happening, right? Like yeah. I saw someone got 96 offers on a Round Rock house. Oh, wow. 96. That's insane. Like, what? And so, uh, you know, I think Round Rock's still relatively cheap, honestly. And I think that's going to change quick. Yeah. Um, so we'll see about that. But I think, you know, this MSA, man, you can go by anywhere. You, you know, I think it's safe to say anything's going to be worth a lot more in 10 years. Probably double. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think you're wrong. Um, so, you know, Matt, you know, we talked a lot about you know, it's hard to drink the Kool-Aid. It's hard to, to get your head around what's going on here. What's your best mindset advice for investors looking to enter this market? To Austin market? Yeah. Let's just say the Austin market. Uh, do take it slow as you possibly can to understand the market. That's key. And then you've got to jump like quickly and you, you got to be confident in that by all the research that you've done. But man, you got to move slow, 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 fast and be decisive and like, you know, uh, feel like you're going to have to get okay with taking a little bit of risk, in my opinion. Like it's going to feel a little risky. Don't overpay. That's not what I'm saying. But 
you know, I, I stretched and bought as much as I could in the last like five years. And I was doing a ton of hard money loans and just like jumping at it and putting every dollar I made back into real estate, like constantly what me and Alex, my partner talk about going for broke. Anytime we get money, we're getting it out as fast as we can. We don't like it. We like to like need to make money for the next deal. And uh, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, man. But like, I guess for me, it was just taking a lot of risk. Be smart with that, but take the risk. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's competitive market, but get around good people that know the market. I I, I get scared myself of investing in other markets because I, I know like how there can be these intricacies and like, I don't want to be the sucker that comes in and could have got a better deal somewhere. You know, I mean, you can always get a better deal, but like the one that overpaid. And uh, so just being around the right brokers, management company, construction, all of it's important. Yeah, and I think you, you bring up a good point there. It's, you're never going to make it big off one deal. You know, I've had lots of deals that were okay, and I've had a few that I didn't think were going to be very good that ended up being great. So yeah, you just got to get over that fear in your head and take the risk at some point and just make sure, you know, you, you mentioned in the beginning, do your due diligence before you jump. But, you know, it, at some point in time, you got to jump. Yeah. I mean, were you scared buying? I mean, did you feel like you were paying a lot when you bought the properties that you have here in Austin at the time in some oh, ways? Absolutely. You know, um, yes, but the end result's been great. You know, it's just, and I like to make them decent and I like to buy in areas that I think are going up. So, you know, it's always ended up well. The one I just sold here in East Austin was probably my biggest lesson there. I didn't think in 10 years, it was going to be worth what it was worth, but I bought it, put a fairly big rehab budget into it. and was comfortable with that, but thought, oh, it'll be worth, you know, 20, 30 more than I've got in it. And real quickly, it was worth a hundred more than I had in it. So that's awesome. That's awesome, man. Yeah. You know, you just you do your research and, and act on that research when you have the time. Yeah. Yeah. So I see a lot of books back there, Matt. What's your favorite business or mindset book? Yeah, man, I got a good amount of history books. There you go. Um, but yeah, I think one of my favorite one was a Trammel Crow Master Developer. Um, have you ever heard of it? Do you know no. Trammel Crow? I've, I, I've heard of Trammel Crow. I don't. I've not heard of that book. Yeah, it's just basically about his career. Um, Handshake guy, did a lot of deals all over the world, had a lot of partnerships. And uh, yeah, I mean, probably one of the greatest developers ever, you know, built a lot of Dallas out and then just built a lot of properties all over the country. And a lot of the commercial brokerages uh, like Staubach and CBRE and Endeavor and some of these companies uh, started off of like his partner, some of his partnerships that he had created. And a lot of the commercial brokerage world kind of stems from, from uh, like, it's interesting how it all was built out over time. Uh, but he started doing industrial bit buildings in Dallas and like ton, millions and millions of square feet. And then just started building all over the, all over the world. That's awesome. I'll have to check that out. So yeah. that's a, is that a biography? Yeah, it is. That's a good one. Um, I like uh, hunting in a farmer's world. Who's that by? Honestly, I can't, I don't know. I don't even know if it's up there. Uh, but yeah, that was, that was more just about like 
being an entrepreneur and being proud of it, you know, realizing that it's all right to, to be who you are and, and to embrace it. And there's hunters and there's farmers and you need both uh, to make things work, you know? Absolutely. No, I have to check out that and Trammel Crow Master Developer. That sounds like a really interesting biography. Yeah, dude, if you read it, let me know. I'd be cool. Love to talk about it. Okay. So Matt, uh, how can people get a hold of you and how can they work with you? Easy, man. Uh, Matt Teifke at Gmail. T-E-I-F-K-E. Uh, we're on YouTube. We do four trainings a week for our team. I've uh, got a podcast on Facebook, Instagram. We're pretty active. Um, just trying to constantly build, you know, the brand and the team on, on the brokerage side and construction and management. And um, if people want to get plugged in, just reach out. I mean, I always... I always lead with value. I give people a list. I'm like, you want part, you know, I've got lists of apartment owners, you know, hundreds of them. Like you want to go cold call this list, have at it. Call me, call me and get it, get some appointments set up. Like whatever people want to do, I'm, I'm happy to plug in and uh, don't need to like ask for money, but just try to get around good people and grow together. And uh, yeah. So just reach out. Awesome. So Matt, most important question of the day here, what's your favorite restaurant in Austin? Oh, that's a good one, man. <laughs> in Austin proper, not Round Rock? Either, either's fine, Austin area. Man, that is a great one. Let me think about this. I gotta get this right. I can't, <laughs> I can't. Round Rock Donuts, right? <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> best Philly cheesesteaks in Round Rock as well. Oh, really? The best. And if you want to try and take me up on that, okay, let me right. know. <laughs> Man, um, it's a random place in Round Rock, and it's just it's called Nancy's Sky Garden. And it's interesting, man. I don't even know how to explain it, but I get the uh, sweet potato noodles with smoked salmon, and it's unreal. I'm obsessed with that. Oh, really? Nancy's Sky Garden, man. All right. No, that's awesome. I've never heard of that. So that's definitely a new one. I'll take you. If you want to come to Round Rock, let me know. All right. Sounds good. I'll take you up on that. And the cheesesteak sometime here soon. Dude, hoodies. Yeah. Best Philly cheesesteak in Central Texas. Hoodies? Yeah, it's in Round Rock. Awesome. All right, Matt. Thank you so much for coming on today. Really appreciate everything you shared. And, you know, if you want to get a hold of Matt, matttypeke at gmail.com, correct? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And he could find him on almost any social media. If you just put Tyfke into Google, it's going to pop up. All right. Really appreciate it, man. You have a great day. You too, dude. Thank you so much. Appreciate your time.